Hey, this is Russell Wilson. This is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti. Welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. Roughing the passer penalties dominated headlines in Week 5. The Philadelphia Eagles remain the only undefeated team as we enter Week 6 in the NFL. We'll get to all of that. We have an excellent lineup coming up. Two-time Super Bowl MVP Eli Manning is here. This is his fourth appearance on this podcast. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay, longtime NFL coach Romeo Crennel, and Christina Hovestat, the NFL senior manager, community relations. Stay tuned for those conversations. Plus, we'll give you some picks, too, as well. Regarding roughing the passer, I know the call on Grady Jarrett on Tom Brady looked bad. Then the one on Chris Jones against Derek Carr Monday night was far more egregious. I spoke to league sources about it. And while there's all this outrage and everyone on Twitter has an opinion and isn't shy about sharing it and the league's terrible now and it's going to heck and all all this stuff's happening, well, the league's not going to be reactionary because the truth is overall roughing calls are down 45% from this point last season. And, And no, despite the perception that Tua's concussion led to this, I'm told, and I reported this, officials were not given a directive to emphasize roughing the passer, and that's evidenced by the numbers being weighed down. So perception isn't always reality, and everyone cries that Tom Brady gets all the calls, and yeah, he got one against the Falcons, but the stats say he ranks 41st among quarterbacks getting roughing calls since 2009. So yes, the league is going to discuss this next week at the owners' meetings like they do everything else that comes up. But they're not changing rules midseason. It'll take, it'll take a way greater sample size than a few disputed calls to make any changes like video review. You'll hear Jim Ursay coming up say he'd be in favor of video review, but the league went down this road already with the pass interference after the Saints-Rams-NFC Championship game back in January 2019, and for a season, they tried it. They couldn't wait to get rid of it, so protecting quarterbacks is everyone's top priority. The NFL, here's the truth, the NFL is better with Tom Brady, with Josh Allen, with Aaron Rodgers, with Patrick Mahomes, with Lamar Jackson, and on and on and on than it is without them, even if they're out for one week, two weeks, or for the entire season, God forbid, the league is better with them, so if there's one or two awful roughing calls, but that's going to prevent a franchise quarterback from a long-term injury. It's worth it. Christina Hovestat is the NFL Senior Manager Community Relations. She joined me to discuss the league's crucial catch initiative, which is very personal for me. Christina is a wonderful person who just always wants to help others. Here is our conversation. Christina, welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. It's great to have you on here. You and I have known each other for a few years and always appreciate who you are and what you do, especially with the NFL's crucial catch because cancer is something that it hits home for me. We just lost my dad in August to lung cancer and he never even smoked. So it's something where I, I firmly believe in what you guys are doing and getting out there and getting out in front. And my mom's a two-time breast cancer survivor. So tell me a little bit about what the league is doing this month to highlight early screening, because it's clearly so important. 
Absolutely. It's so good to see you like always. Um, Crucial Catch is a year round initiative with the NFL. Fans really see it come to life in the month of October. And we are focused on early detection and risk reduction. Um, this year, especially, we're really excited because we have a new resource online at NFL.com slash Crucial Catch, where we're really encouraging fans to take that next step to find out where they can get screened for cancer. I think one of the biggest things, because I have personal ties to cancer as well, I'm very passionate passionate about it, as the entire NFL family is, is that people don't realize that for many cancers, the survival rate is 90% for many cancers when you catch it early. And so if people can get screened, even though we know there's so much fear that comes with that, they can catch it early and they can actually survive. So as the NFL, we want to make sure that we're providing fans with the resources that they need to find their local cancer screening center and additional resources to find out what screening do they need, and then make sure that they know the center to go to to actually get them. So we're excited to roll that out this year um, with all of our fans because we haven't been able to do that in years past. I will say this, Christina, I looked at the website. I filled out the cancer screening myself. I was afraid because I didn't want to know what I needed to do at what point in my life I needed to go screening. It's not that difficult. So for everyone listening, it's not that hard and it's not even that scary. And like you just said, the earlier the detection, the far greater the chances are. So just go out there uh, and, and get it done. Can you give us that website? Yes, of course. It's NFL.com slash Crucial Catch. And something else that's new this year is fans can actually text CATCH, C-A-T-C-H, to 635-635, and there'll be a direct link to that website as well. Well, I know you guys have a ton of new things, but there may even be a special surprise for Sunday Night Football when the Eagles host the Dallas Cowboys and just in time for me to be there too at that game. Yes, so I'm actually at the Eagles right now, um, and we are thrilled to share that the First Lady, Jill Biden, will participate in the NFL's Crucial Catch Engagement this Sunday for Sunday Night Football um, when the Eagles take on the Dallas Cowboys. So obviously the Eagles are 5-0 and going to this game, so all eyes are going to be on Sunday Night Football. Um, but through the Biden administration's Cancer Moonshot Initiative, she already underscores the importance of screening. So having her come on um, to just really get involved with Crucial Catch is so meaningful this year. So we're really excited to have her a part of this initiative. Great. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, I will make sure then that I get there early because I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of security detail and I don't want to get stuck in traffic. So when the first lady's there, that's going to be a whole, it's going to be magnified to a whole other level. What else is new? What else can we see this Sunday with the games? Yeah, so every team this year um, has a crucial catch game between weeks four and six, and there's also some crucial catch games throughout week seven. So teams are able to pick a cancer that they support. So um, the week leading up into the game, they go out into the community, they visit hospitals, and then you also see all the teams wearing crucial catch gear. You'll see new era hats, you'll see Nike gear, and fans can purchase all of this gear online. And a lot of the fans don't realize that when you purchase crucial catch gear, all of the funds, NFL does not profit off of this gear that the fans purchase. All of the funds go straight to the American Cancer Society, who is our partner with Crucial Catch. And these funds go to what we call change grants that provide screenings in underserved communities. So we always encourage fans go and support the American Cancer Society because every single time that you buy one of those new era hats that you see the players wear on the field, you are literally providing screenings in underserved communities in the 32 markets that we reach. 
That's great to know because I, I think fans sometimes, and we don't even know uh, as media, we get confused when there there's different things that are being promoted. Where does the money go? How does it get uh, go back and how does it work? So thank you for sharing that. I see that there's 22 players, Christina, who've signed up who are player ambassadors as part of Crucial Catch. How important is it to have that player participation? It's so important. We um, actually have so many player ambassadors through the American Cancer Society who have ties to cancer. They either had cancer themselves. John Mechie III, actually, who was diagnosed with leukemia from the Houston Texans, he chose to... He was diagnosed with leukemia leading up to training camp. He chose to be the voice of our PSA this year because he realized more than ever that screening was so important. And he said, I want to use my voice to tell fans, hey, I know you could be fearful, but I want you to go get screened. You see James Conner and you see this list of players that want to give back. Either they lost someone to cancer um, or they've had it themselves. And so it's really impactful. You'll see coaches on the field that also um, have either lost someone to cancer, have been impacted or have been a caregiver. Sometimes the caregiver get forgotten in this whole process. I mean, you know, you've lost someone to cancer as well. So I think it's just really important, especially in the month of October to realize that so many people in the NFL family, so many of our fans are impacted by this terrible disease. And it's just beautiful to see everybody come together and to support um, everyone in this. And we always say it at the NFL, but it really does take all of us to intercept cancer. No doubt. And that website again is nfl.com slash crucial catch, or people can, anyone can text catch to 635-635. And I see that the site also, it provides resources for fans to determine, right, that type of cancer screening they need, but there's also a cancer hotline and a 24 hour chat for anyone who needs these questions answered. And, and, And I think that is something that really will help ease people's minds. So Christina, thank you so much for sharing about it, for joining me and looking forward to Sunday night. Of course. Thank you so much. And thanks for all you do and drawing awareness to this. Romeo Cornell is a five-time Super Bowl champion who spent 50 years in coaching. He was a head coach for the Browns, the Chiefs, and Texans. He's part of the NFL's Huddle Up, Let's Talk Obesity campaign. Here's Romeo. Romeo, thank you for joining me as we discussed a little bit before we got started. Big story in the NFL this weekend is roughing the passer penalties. And while that seems to be getting so much attention, when you look at the overall call, the numbers are down. They, they're down 45% in calls from this point last year. How do you view what we've seen transpire in week five and and what the league teams, referees can do to protect quarterbacks, but maybe not be overly protective? Well, I don't know that that you're able to be overprotective of quarterbacks, you know, because that position in itself, Rob, uh, it's one of the most valuable positions on the football field and for the NFL, as a matter of fact. All right. And so I think that because the numbers are down, a lot of the defensive players, the defensive coaches, uh, they are coaching. You know, you have to not be aggressive as aggressive versus the quarterbacks. And so that's why we see the numbers down. Uh, I think that the issue this weekend was how you go about protecting the quarterback without taking him to the ground. 
<laughs> you know, uh, and basically that seems to be the issue. Uh, and so I, and I don't know how you do that. You know, you could just wrap him up and hang on to him, which then means there's a quick whistle. And now you're going to have quarterbacks and offensive coaches complaining that a quick whistle didn't allow the quarterback to finish the play. So it's kind of you're between the rock and the hard place and the league. They're going to have to come up with what they consider to be their best option in being able to protect the quarterback and also let defenders be defenders. That's an interesting point, Romeo, that you bring up about the potential for a quick whistle. Because when you have a guy like, say, for example, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Lamar, Patrick can escape. They can get out, whereas Tom, he'll get wrapped up, and that's fine. So there is a fine line there. One of the alternatives or one of the suggestions is maybe make it reviewable. But then we were we went down that road with the pass interference a couple of years ago. How did you think that played out? And would you be in favor of a reviewable roughing the passer? If they pass the rule that they're going to review quarterback tackles in the pocket, I think that they would eventually get to the point where they would be able to make consistent and good rulings on that. You know, the thing that they always want to do is be fair to to everybody involved, but also be fair to the fans and not extend the game. And and so I think that they have to look at that also. Romeo, you spent over 50 years in football. What is what are you doing now as you transition uh, in in different various roles? And how do you stay involved in the game? Well, uh, I'm I'm transitioning first of all and and you know and that takes a little time it doesn't happen overnight uh but one of the things that I've been doing is I've been able to spend more time with my grandkids which uh, uh has been enjoyable uh been able to spend more time with the wife I'd have to ask her if it was <laughs> if if it's enjoyable or not uh, but uh those things uh Definitely, I've been uh, involved with. And I've been watching games, that, and really, I've been watching more games from different teams than when I was coaching. You know, because when you're coaching, you concentrate on your upcoming opponent, and you make sure that uh, you study that guy. But I've been able to watch a lot of uh, of the other teams that are playing on on uh, the weekends, you know, Mondays and Thursdays. You had an opportunity at one point to be a head coach in the NFL. And then you, you had a couple in, you had an interim role where you were also the oldest coach, Romeo, right? 73 years old at one point, oldest to serve in that capacity. There's always a lot of talk about minorities getting more opportunities. How do you feel over the course of your career with the resume that you had five Super Bowls uh, that you were a part of, that you were on championship teams? How did you feel about the opportunities you were given? Well, I think that um, you you have to look at it and realize that there are only 32 of the jobs, you know, uh, in the world. And uh, everybody would like to have one of those jobs. Uh, now, I think that the more qualified black coaches that are in the pipeline, and, and we have qualified black coaches in the pipeline, and that pipeline is getting larger. Uh, you know, more defensive coordinators, more offensive coordinators. Uh, and then that's where many of the head coaching candidates come from, those two positions. And I think that we're going to see more of those guys 
get opportunities going down the road. Now, with that being said, you know, uh, it's been a long time. You know, that pipeline has been running for a while and uh, uh, we don't feel like that we've always gotten the best shot at it. Um, but I know that that progress happens and a lot of times uh, it's slow progress. And I think that's what it is uh, at this point in the NFL. But uh, we have to keep working at it, have to keep tweaking it, just like the officials have to tweak the rules of the game, uh, the management general managers, owners, they're going to have to tweak those that interview process. Uh, and, and I think that they're trying to get that done by requiring uh, minorities get uh, interviewed, more minorities get interviewed. And so uh, I think just going down the road, more spotlight is going to be placed on these coordinators and we'll see who are the good ones. And I think that uh, owners and general managers will then uh, make sure that these good ones get interviewed and given, be given an opportunity. Did you ever feel whenever you, you were interviewed for head coaching that, that it wasn't a serious interview, Romeo, that it, it was just a check the box type interview? Or did you always feel like you were given uh, a legitimate shot? Well, in, in my circumstance, uh, I was in one of those weekend <laughs> interviews and I, I think there were six teams that I interviewed with over a weekend. Yeah. And so it was just like two hours a team. And and I don't know that they had enough opportunity uh, to get to know who I was and to get to know me. Because I think part of the interview process is getting to know the candidate that you're interviewing. And so uh, in my situation, I don't think that that occurred. I know one interview I had was an eight-hour interview, um, and that wasn't that that weekend. That was a different time. But I felt like an eight-hour interview was a legitimate interview because, you know, they could have cut it short at any point in time. Mm -hmm. But I felt like that that was a legitimate interview. You coached with Bill Parcells and, and obviously Bill Belichick won Super Bowls with the Giants and the Patriots. How did those both men how were they similar in their coaching philosophies? Well, both of them are strong defensive guys, first of all. Uh, and, uh, and, and they, they differ in the fact that uh, I think Parcells particularly had a vision of the kind of team that he wanted, the kind of players that he wanted on his team. And then he got those type of players and, and put those type of players on the team. Uh, Belichick, I think is is a total football guy because his father, you know, had him watching game film with him at a very young age. And then uh, Belichick has also coached every position on the football field. So I, I think that when he puts a game plan together, he puts the game plan, uh, a positional game plan together. Every position on the team has a game plan in his mind for that particular game. And then he puts it all together, you know, when they play. Uh, but both of them are football people. They enjoy the game of football. They study the game of football, and they 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 like it. After winning those Super Bowls with New England from 01 to 04, you, you moved on to various stops, became head coach in Cleveland, Kansas City, had opportunities there, Houston, along the way. Patriots sustained that success for a significant period of time, for two decades when you left, did you think that that was something that was possible, that was attainable, that was achievable uh, in this NFL era? 
Well, Rob, I don't think that you really know what happens from year to year mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, I think that you you can feel whether you have a good football team at the beginning of the year or not, but even that doesn't guarantee you anything. You still have to go out and prove it week to week. And, and I think that with, with Belichick, he's been able to do it week to week. You know, when he look at when you look at that span from 2000, um, what he probably came close to winning maybe eight Super Bowls. Uh, in that time, you know, one play away a couple of different times. But I don't know that he expected that to happen. Mm-hmm. All I know that he expects his team to go play every Sunday and and do the things that they're coached to do. And if they do those things, they'll have a good chance to win. Romeo, tell me about your involvement in the Huddle Up, Let's Talk Obesity campaign and, and how important it is to be to be cognizant and mindful of your health and, and your weight and to take, to be proactive about it. I've kind of got involved with the program for, <laughs> for two reasons. Uh, I know a lot of the guys in the NFL since I've been in it a long time, you know, uh, and, and then my family and my body type, uh, we're big people. Uh, and <clears throat> I say that we're big people, but uh, the doctor on his write-up, he said obese, you know. Uh, and so I felt like that if if I could get something from it, there are other people who could get something from it. Former players, you know, a lot of time the former players, after they lose that regiment of practice and games and all of those things, uh, they are not able to maintain their weight uh, and they get bigger. And, and we know that weight, causes other health problems. And and so if we can do something about our weight or about obesity, now then we can minimize <clears throat> some of those problems that involve the heart, um, diabetes, joint pain, and all of those kind of things. And the thing, a lot of times men are not crazy about going to the doctor and, and talking mm-hmm. about their weight and stuff like that. But <clears throat> it's been proven that medically, if you can find out the problem early, you have a great chance to fix it. They have a great chance to fix it. And so if we can get players and people and fans talking about their situation as far as obesity is concerned, that will help their health overall. And then I think that they can live a, a long and fruitful life. And so that's why uh, I'm involved in, in trying to spread the word a little bit. Romeo, that's a great point you make about finding out early and the earlier anything is is diagnosed, doctors have a better chance of helping people. So uh, I join you in encouraging everyone to to be proactive, to take care of your health, because um, it's, it's obviously clearly something that's so very important. You had an opportunity, spent some time and coached Deshaun Watson have you stayed in touch with him throughout what's transpired in his life? Have you talked to him, encouraged him? What did you think of everything that happened in that young man's life? Well, it was surprising, you know, <clears throat> to find out about all, all of those things. And I don't know what's true, what's not true, because I haven't spoken with him. You know, I, I did reach out through text, uh, but that's not quite the same as sitting down and, and talking with a young man. Uh, 
Uh, I just hope the best for him and hope that uh, he can get these problems ironed out. And I think that he is <clears throat> a man of faith. He has faith because of how his upbringing has been for him. And uh, I, I hope that that leaf gets pointed in the right direction for him. No doubt. Well, Romeo, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I wish you a ton of blessings. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you. And uh, let's keep spreading the word. For sure. Eli Manning is a two-time Super Bowl MVP, co-host of the Manning cast with his brother Peyton on Monday nights. He is a rising media superstar. Eli has joined Quaker in introducing the Quaker Hunger Clock in partnership with Feeding America. Quaker's goal is to help raise 500000 for Feeding America by Super Bowl 57. They will match every donation to Feeding America up to a total of $250,000. So you can visit QuakerHungerClock.com to learn how you can donate to Feeding America and trigger a change in the Hunger Clock's meal tally. Here is my conversation with Eli Manning. Eli, great to talk to you again. Obviously, there's been a, a lot of controversy in the NFL over the past weekend with roughing the passer penalties. And from a quarterback's perspective, how do you feel about what we've seen? Because when we look at it overall, roughing calls are down 45% from last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see it. Obviously, uh, as a quarterback, I'm all about, hey, protect the quarterbacks. Let's keep these guys safe. It's such an important position uh, for the game. You don't want to see you know, guys getting injured and, 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 you know, guys getting knocked out. I think, you know, coaches don't want to see that either from a personal standpoint of getting their, their quarterbacks hurt. And I think when it just becomes some of the, some of these judgment calls with, um, Hey, did the guy drive the guy? Did the guy, you know, kind of tackle him too hard? I, I think it's, it's hard to call. It's hard. It's hard to judge from a, from a ref, whether it was that call or not. So I'm not against, that going to replay and, and making sure they get those calls right. Cause it, it, you know, it seems like it's not the, the late hit. It's not the, all of a sudden the quarterback throws it and then, you know, a later the guy hitting them or hitting them in the head or, or going low. It's more kind of the, the driving in or the tossing uh, excessive tackling. I don't know what the exact word is, but th- those are the ones that um, can, can feel, uh, you know, a little harder to judge what's a, what's a foul, what's not. And it doesn't always look like one. And so I'm, I'm okay with the going to replay to see if they can make sure they're just getting that call correctly because it's, it can be such a game changing play. Uh, it could be the difference. Hey, you know, if you get a sack, whether it's on third down, you're going to punt, but even if it's on second down, like the chances of, uh, of you, you know, converting the next third and 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 fifteen because you just lost eight yards is it becomes unlikely. So it's almost becomes like a turnover uh, in the sense that when you have those calls, if it's incorrect because you're getting fifteen yards in and a new set of downs. So I, I think um, you know I'm okay if they you know do some adjustments to make sure they're getting that call right. They did make pass interference reviewable. Remember for that one season, and they had a bad experience with that. Do you remember what that was like? Did you have any issues with it then? You were still, that was the your final season. Yeah, it just became hard to, you know, uh, super slow-mo. You look at everything, you know, it, it's, 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 it changes uh, the way things look and feel. I think with the pass interference, it, was, it had to be like totally obvious 
that this was, you know, was or what was not past interference. And so I think, you know, but which is fine. I think it's it's one of those deals whenever you're dealing with a judgment call um, on something, it's, you know, or it's not just a written rule and it's not totally obvious. Um, it, it gets hard to to call. It gets hard to over over you know overturn it as well. So, but it might help in a, in a couple circumstances. To you know, it could be some things of just cleaning up that call and understanding like what the, what the exact rules and what the refs are looking for when calling that. Eli, do you feel refs give certain guys special treatment after Tom gets the roughing call on Sunday? Everybody saying, "Well, it's Tom Brady; he's forty five years old." But then I just looked up the stats. And since 2009, he's like 41st in the league in in average roughing the passer penalties called for him uh, per game. So it's a perception. But do you think that there are some guys maybe Peyton was good at it? Uh, (laughs) Did you feel like you, you were able to get some calls? I don't think I was able to get too many calls. I don't feel like I was called for roughing the passer as many times as I felt I, I could have been uh, <laughs> called. And so, no, I, I don't think I don't think a ref would ever be out there saying, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna help this guy," or "I'm gonna you know I, I like this guy, so I'm gonna call uh, a, a roughing the passer or, or or make calls in his way." That would never be never be the case, and would it happen? I think this maybe sometimes. The way, you know, because of the size of a quarterback or a guy, you know, the way Tom Brady gets tackled versus the way Josh Allen gets tackled might be differently. Tom might get tossed around a little bit or it looks more violent because he's, you know, 215 pounds and Josh Allen's 250 pounds. So he's not going to get tossed. It's not going to look like a a crushing blow. You can't drive him to the ground. So I, I think it's just more um you know just the way you know you know guys are built the, the tackle might look might look a little bit worse and and look a little bit more violent so what you're saying is because Tom's on an avocado diet he's really not that jacked up and he can't. <laughs> exactly he can get to- he can get tossed around a little bit more <laughs> 5 weeks into the season Eli the Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL the NFC East which a couple of years ago didn't have a winning team right now has two 4 and 1 teams and a 5 and 0 team uh, is, is this the most impressive division when you look around the league or do you, can you point to something else? No, I mean, you, you look at the, yeah, the NFC East, uh, obviously the Eagles are, are playing great. Uh, and Cowboys, you know, with the backup quarterback and Cooper Rush coming in and, and playing great. Their defense is, it, it has been really impressive and dominant. And then the, the Giants finding ways to to win games, the defense playing well, they're rushing the football. Daniel Jones is running; he's making plays. Or you know, we've got receivers that are banged up and new guys in there, but they're just they're finding ways to keep games close and and, and win at the end. So it's 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 fun. It's fun when the NFC East, you know, personally is is playing well and the Giants are playing well. So um, you know, I think you know that that's a great thing about the NFL and football. You never know. That's why at the beginning of the season, every fan. Uh, is encouraged and has hope that this is the year we're going to turn it around because you can, it can happen. And um, you, you can, you can make those adjustments. And and so there's going to be an, another team that's going to get hot kind of this, you know, in the middle of the season and start making a run. And uh, you know, so I'm excited to, you know, to watch how the season unfolds. The other team in the NFC East Washington's one and four. And, and yesterday when Ron Rivera was asked about the difference between them and the other teams, he said quarterback and, 
that got blown into something big and throwing his QB under the bus, Carson Wentz. Did you take it that way? I know Alex Smith had some very specific comments about it. How did you interpret that, Eli? I, 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 I saw what Coach was trying to say, and it just didn't, you know, it's come out perfectly in the sense that, hey, it's about, you know, getting that quarterback that's been there for a number of years and then kind of establishing the, the team around him. And they just haven't had that in Washington. And obviously with Carson is a brand new quarterback, just been there. And, you know, just, you know, a bunch of quarterbacks over the last couple of years, uh, you know, coming through there. And so they just haven't had the, you know, the ability to, you know, get that great quarterback, get him in the system, surround talent around him. And then, and then put give him an opportunity to be successful. So I don't I don't think he was taking a shot at Carson, but it just uh, you know one of those deals. It just it just didn't come out exactly the way I think he thought it was. Well, Eli, you're a busy guy. You always got a ton going on. Tell me about what you're doing with Quaker. Yeah, excited to partner with Quaker. One because I'm a huge oatmeal fan. Last 15 years, pretty much had it every single morning, including this morning. And so uh, also like Quaker, believe that the circumstances of life should never be a barrier to good nutrition. So as part of their uh, commitment to help food security in the U.S., Quaker is introducing the Quaker Hunger Clock in partnership with Feeding America. And their goal is to raise $500,000, which is equivalent to funding 5 million meals um, and hoping to do that by Super Bowl 57. So for uh, fans out there, uh, you can go to QuakerHungerClock.com and uh, learn you know more information and how to donate to Feeding America, and that'll uh, start this upcoming weekend. QuakerHungerClock.com. That's how anyone can get more information on how to help uh, with this very wonderful cause. Eli, as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you, man. Wish you a ton of blessings. Thanks so much. Marseille became the youngest owner in the NFL at age 37 more than 20 years ago. We sat down for a long conversation about football and much more. Jim is he's transparent about his battles with addiction. So the Ursay family launched the Kicking the Stigma initiative to help raise mental health awareness and provide resources. They're doing a ton. You'll hear that part of this conversation. It's a two-part conversation. You'll hear that next week. Here is the football portion on this episode. What are your thoughts from an ownership perspective on protecting the quarterback and these calls that we've seen roughing the passer, even though they're highlighted as as calls that people don't agree with, the numbers of of those penalties are far down. They're 45% down this year. Well, no question, Rob. I think if you want to get a little context of what's changed in just, you know, 37 years even, which is not a long period of time, is put on the Bears-Packers game. 1985, Forrest Gregg, Mike Ditka coached. And you'll watch it and go, this can't be true. I mean, this couldn't have been happening. I mean, I, I mean, guys throwing guys over the bench. I mean, turning Jim McMahon upside down like a garbage can and throwing him on his head. And there's no flags. I mean, it's just like, but I was I was around that game and around all those tough guys back. And then I played, you know, when I was at SMU, we had three practices a day in a hundred degree Texas heat. And we did all sorts of things like the Oklahoma drill, which is not allowed now, you know, where you, you know, would, would, would be in a, a small centric circle and violently try to take on the other guy from a short distance. And, you know, all those things have changed. 
Um, and that's fine. I mean, we have tried to make the game safer, but I tell all our guys coming in, you know, look, this is a violent game. This isn't a contact game. This is a violent game, okay? Not everyone wants to choose to play. You know, it's a choice. I mean, no one's making you play NFL football. But if you do, you're going to be putting your health on the line to some degree because that's just a race car driver, you know, in the Indy 500. They know they could die. You know, in the NFL, you know you could get seriously hurt. You know, um, uh, and, and so we've tried to make the game safer without ruining the game. You know, for instance, you know, we change kickoffs so they rarely happen now because the ball usually goes out of the end zone. But we didn't want to start the game from the 20-yard line because that would take away the whole history of how football starts games, and that wouldn't be good. You know, you, you try to create things – to protect, you know, you know, wide receivers that 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 are, you know, unable to defend themselves, you know, from being violently, you know, hit, you know, like the Stingley hit from Tatum and all those things. Um, and, and you, you, you know, you try to do these things in their wise. You know, you try to, you know, get teach the young kids heads up, use your shoulder pads. You know, don't bring the head into play. You know, some people say it'd be better if you had a leather helmet because people wouldn't dare use their head, you know, as a as a weapon, you know, because it's too tempting when you have a helmet. But but you can't take away good defensive football. And um, it's a shame, you know, to see the call. Uh, of course, it happens on national television, you know, and, and, and the call is so egregious, you know, Monday night. Um, with the you know sack of uh, of the quarterback and 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 it's just a great defensive play and you just don't know what the refs thinking but I do want to point out you know this year interestingly enough we have forty five percent less penalties with quarterback uh, penalties being hit you know um, with uh, so called personal fouls less but when you have a centric play on a national game. And you're just coming off two of them with Miami and Tua, you know, it, it brings attention um, to things, you know. But um, the game's in, in good shape. Uh, the refs have a hard job. I, I give, you know, we know how hard it is being a ref in the National Football League. It's very difficult. But, but, you know, there's all sorts of questions is why don't you review that play? You know, George Young always said, you know, because review's not going away, obviously, as part of our culture, as part of commercials on TV, you know, um, going under the hood. It's all a whole ritualistic thing now. But, you know, George Young just said, the great, you know, Hall of Fame general manager from the Giants, God rest his soul, is my friend. He said, you're just layering human error on top of human error. That's all you're doing. And we knew it. You know, you're just, that's all you're really doing is, is you're layering human error on top of human error. Yes, sometimes you can you know, not make the wrong call in a dangerous way. Like the Steeler game that was going to take us to the Super Bowl, we would have beat the Cowboys in 95. You know, when Jim Harbaugh threw that ball, it looked like the guy caught it. There was no replay back then. Thankfully, the ref saw the ball in his arms, touched the ground back in his arms. So, you know, that was avoided. Um, but, uh, 
you know, we've had things like this with penalties. You know, we saw in the championship game a few years ago, you know, with New Orleans and, and um, I forget who they were playing, but, you know, it, it was a yeah, egregious call. And, and why don't you review it? You know, it's a good question. You know, the competition committee meets. Um, the refs work hard on trying to do their job. But it certainly is frustrating. We, you know, had s- some calls in our game that you just shake your head with. You know, you're just, you know, you, you just cannot believe, you know, but but it happens so fast and they're trying to make decisions. And, and you know, you don't want to slow games down so much that you're reviewing everything because then you're going to get into three and a half hour games. So you're always trying to use, you know, judicial prudence, if you will, and temperance and, and, and how do you make the game the safest, the better, but with keeping it physical. But we have to let defenses play. This isn't right to have defensive players that, you know, are literally running out of places to hit anyone anymore. I mean, it, it's, it's just not what the game's meant to be. You can't protect the game from its violence. That's the game, okay? You don't have to play the game. No one has to. I love playing the game. I would have played it for free. I wasn't good enough to be a professional coming out of SMU. But I had friends like Byron Hunt and Lee Spivey and others who played the National Football League. You know, and and um, everyone treasures their moments playing in the league. You know, but I, I really think, you know, all we can do is continue to emphasize because um, all all that happens is you call on Monday and the league office says, well, you're right. We blew the call. You know, we apologize. It's like, you know, that gets me nowhere, you know. Um, but I always say this, and it's true. I've never met, you know, a senior NFL head coach or general manager owner rocking in a rocking chair at age 90 and say, I would have been champion if it wasn't for those damn referees. I mean, because we have a sign in our locker room. No excuses, no explanations. You get a bad call, you got to overcome it. That's that's why the game's so great. It teaches you that. Yes, you're going to get a bad call. Just, you know, it's going to happen, okay? So when it just like a turnover, just like things happen in games, that's why the game's so great. Adversity. Adversity breeds greatness breeds toughness, breeds character, adversity, adversity, adversity. In our game, every place you turn is adversity. How can you deal with a bad call? And you don't want them. Um, You know, people get very upset about them. But I can guarantee you this. We have good people in refereeing, in the league office, on the competition committee. And everyone's trying to get it right. I mean, there's no one – there's no – no one that, that's not trying to get it right. It's just very hard to get it right. And I think, you know, we've tilted a little bit too far past because you're going to get, you know, these these people, you know, who don't like football. They're going to say, oh, look at that. You know, it's just a blood sport. and The owners make all this money. It's just terrible. Just, just, just why don't you, you know, you know, why don't you find a way of, of becoming – you know, someone that that's grow that grows up and understand the aspect of really what's going on in life. And it's a great game. It's a violent game. And you know, look, it's not as violent as boxing. I, I mean, you know, and, and you know, boxers. I knew boxers. I've known a lot of boxers. I know Tyson. I, you know, I know I know Hearns. I know. God. I mean, look at 
you know, they went through hell. A lot of them won't make it to 70. I mean, it's their choice. You know, I, I mean, Joe Frazier wouldn't give up what he, what he went through to be a great champ for dying young. No way. I mean, you know, I mean, you do it. You know, people ask me, well, why did you get up to 307 pounds and squat 700 pounds? I said, if you have to ask, you don't know. You know, why do you climb out Mount Everest? Why do these guys climb out? And they have to pay to get to the top. No one pays them. They have to pay. Why are they doing it? I mean, because that is what, you know, the challenge of life is. And that's why our game's so great. And we have to be careful as we're adjusting our game not to, to take that component out um, because it's always going to be a physical game. And I think we've gone a little too far because if you're a defensive player now, you know, you just got to play and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, I think you just have to assume you're going to get a few, you know, personal fouls because, you know, it's impossible to be, you know, these guys are running 23 miles an hour, you know, into each other and, and you're supposed to, you know, miss. I mean, I've seen great tackles and I've seen flags go on the field. And it's unfortunate. Sometimes the refs are smart enough to huddle and pick up the flag, you know, but there's no replay on it. And there probably should be, you know, on certain big plays um, that affect games, you know, because thankfully if that was, you know, a championship game and they call that penalty and it was third down and they win the game, the Chiefs win if they get off the field and go to the Super Bowl, but they throw the flag, then then that's a real unfortunate situation. But, but you know, we try to do the best we can, Rob, and it's not easy. Would you be then in favor of reviewing the the – Roughing the passer penalty? Because like you said, it, it would prolong the game potentially. I would be in favor, for instance, uh, for being able to head coach to throw a red flag, um, maybe have one more red flag to throw, for instance, you know, on a challenge, you know, to look at a review play. You know, I don't think, you know, you could look at them all, but, but a head coach, if he had an extra in the holster, if he was allowed, because he's not allowed now to throw the flag. You know, that way you, you could look, you know, that would make a lot of sense um, and would be the best way to go um, is, you know, you can avoid a real problem where, hey, you know, you challenge it, you have, you know, maybe, you know, only one challenge uh, or one challenge each half, what have you, um, or an additional challenge besides the two they have now. But, you know, I think that's a, a wise way to go because there's too much inequity with what's able to be challenged and reviewed and what's not, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, because you challenge that call, you know, in Kansas city, you win every time. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, the ref goes under the hood and says, no, 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 we missed this one. And, and it's made right, you know, and you get your challenge back, you know? So um, I think that's the way to go. Um, and it, it, it sure would help. It wouldn't, nothing ever makes it perfect. But that way, at least you have a chance to avoid, you know, because everyone, once that plays out, everyone obviously sees it's a blown call. You know, everyone reviews it and everyone looks at it. And Troy Aikman looks at it and, you know, Al Michaels and everyone's like, well, geez, they just missed that one, you know. And, and we could avoid that because the refs are trying hard. You know, it's a fast game and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, emphasis put on safety now as there should be. But, um you can't go overboard and ruin the game, you know, because um, the game is special. The game has been there, you know, for 103 years. And, and 
you know, the founders of the league have always talked about don't take every penny you can. Don't um, try to think, you know, you can do certain marketing. But I mean, protect the game. The game is what you have. The greatness of the game, it needs to be protected. You know, so there needs to be, it needs to evolve because it naturally does evolve like all sports. Um, but I think the evolution would be served. Um, you know, we have replay. Um, you have a chance to not have everyone reviewed, but maybe an extra one reviewed. And I think that would go a long way. Do you have these, Jim, do you have these conversations with the other owners? I know you're going to, the meetings are next week in New York, but have you talked to the owners since this weekend? Anybody say, hey, we, we got to do something here? Or, or Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we had a finance committee, you know, call uh, yesterday and, and, you know, I was empathetic with Clark Hunt, uh, <laughs> who's head of the finance committee and, and it's tough, you know, and, and, and so I, I think that, you know, the competition committee is, you know, very widespread and, and is well represented and, and Rich McKay's done a great job through the years and, and people like Bill Pullian, our Hall of Fame general manager contributes. And I think, you know, you try to, um, uh, really, you know, bring up ideas and push them forward. Um, you know, it's frustrating because it's kind of like, you know, being in a congressional or Senate setting, you know, sometimes you have these bills and it just makes such perfect sense and it can't get traction right away. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, you, you like to, you know, but, but a lot of, you know, I like, I, I think, you know, really we talked about, for instance, the overtime rules last year, and it's really questionable if it's fair the way the overtime rules are now, you know, um, uh, you know, again, it's done with an idea of, of safety being probably 10 minutes, but, but at the same time, that's not the point. The point is, you know, is, is just that really, um, you know, if you win the coin flip and score a touchdown, the game's over. That's not the way it is in college. You know, it's not really a fair way to go because why should a coin flip determine so much, you know? Um, and, and so, um, you know, these things sit there and you debate them. People listen and, 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 and you contribute a lot. You know, you know, a lot of the, you know, the, the rules and everything were originally, at least in the modern era, crafted by Al Davis and Tech Schramm. You know, those two dominated and led everything football, you know, from, you know, 1970 to, you know, really, you know, almost, you know, 1995, you know, Tex was gone by, by 1990, but um, Al stuck around and, 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 and so, you know, um, it, it's, it's a big responsibility um, and we have a lot of, you know, people working hard trying to do the right thing there. And so, yes, you know, you'll have conversations with other owners and, um, and, you know, sometimes like the, the, the annual meeting when, in the spring is when you can submit new things for consideration. You know, that's where a club constructs within their own franchise. You know, we want to, you know, put this on record and we want to have this reviewed um, at the league meeting as a bylaw that we want to change to happen. So you put that in and sometimes you can get something passed or something passed like it. Other times, you know, it doesn't get passed, but then three or four years later it does, you know, so 
I think, you know, it's so important that everyone works hard on making the game as great as it can be. And you're not always going to get your way because you're only one voice of 32, so to speak. Um, but you certainly try to work hard on it because, you know, but you do have respect and, you know, empathy for, for these refs. And, you know, you know, I, you know how hard these guys, I mean, our referees are great men. I mean, they're just, and women, you know, um, you know, they, they just, um, are really, really hardworking, committed professionals. I mean, really, you'd be proud, you know, honestly, to to um, to know them. They take so much pride in what they do, but you know, they're human and they make mistakes. You know, and uh, fun thing about our game, Rob, is our fans. You know, it's I was a fan one time. You know, and it's fun being a fan. I grew up in Chicago, the Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears. You know, and all those sorts of things. And, and um, fans are irrational, <laughs> you know, you can't, there's no logic with fans, you know, it, it's like, and, and they have a right to be because it's the theater where they can behave irrationally, so to speak, because it's somewhat just, you know, it's their enjoyment. It's a game, you know, it, it's like, you know, and, and they, they, they get their yayas out, so to speak. So when they go in the real lanes of life, you know, they behave hopefully in a mature fashion, you know, but um, the passion our fans have for the game is remarkable. Um, you, you see, you know, how upset they get when something, you know, uh, wrong happens in a game. They really personally feel wrong. I mean, you know, some very deeply angered, you know, um, and uh, and so that's great, you know. Um, so, you know, we're just all blessed to be part of the game and to be, you know, anyone in the National Football League is such a blessing, Rob, to be part of it because it's so popular and people love it so much. And, and you know, you just, you're just so blessed to have a chance to, to be part of it in any way, shape or form it can be. Um, because when people love something that much, I think everyone's trying to make it as good as it can be, you know, but, you know, um, human error comes in. So, I know we'll keep working and, and um, trying to find a balance with safety versus, you know, um, taking, you know, the game away from certain, you know, players that have a right to, to play in a, a physical and violent way because, you know, that's what the game is, you know, um, and that's what makes it so great. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a tough game and, uh, you know, you really look at, at the past and see – some of the guys that played the game when I go back, you know, 40 or 50 years and boy, these guys today, they haven't made, I'll put it that way. No, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a whole other, other sport. Jim, I don't want to keep, continue to keep you too long. I have just two more. Sure. Um, one question about, I was there last Thursday in Denver and it, it was, I, I know you don't like any win to be an ugly win because every win's a win and that's all, they, they all count the same. The way the team came back, Frank afterwards was raving about Matt Ryan, his confidence, his leadership in that fourth quarter, the look in his eyes. And I'm from Philly. Matt's from Philly. After the game, he, he tells me, he's like, maybe it's the Philly in me. That's where I get that confidence. How, how important is it to have a guy in that spot with that leadership ability where the team can rally around him? They see that veteran presence. They see his leadership. Well, it's so important, particularly when things aren't going well, you know, um, 
you know, we know we have to play better offensively. You know, we weren't pass protecting correctly. We weren't run blocking correctly. You know, Matt was was doing some things that he wished he could do differently. So, so a lot of struggle going on. But you know, the defense is playing great, and um, they're still finding their way into difficulties. And Russell Wilson's finding the night to be very dark and difficult. And so, so you hang in there, you know. And because Frank Wright and and Matt Ryan, they get paid to win. A win's a win. A loss is a loss. I mean, period. That their job is to win. It doesn't matter how it looks. It's either a win or a loss. You can win, you know, fifty-two to nothing, or win the way we did, and it's a win. You know, so um, you know, it, it's what we knew we had in Matt, in in his leadership, his Navy SEAL, his astronaut sort of presence, like Peyton and Brady, and 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 all the gunslingers. Uh, you know, the, have that great presence, and and so um, Matt doesn't flinch. He's a true blue leader. You know, he's trying to find his game and his rhythm here. You know, Frank Reich's trying to put him into that rhythm and those sorts of things. Um, but we've struggled and we've been, you know, I, I know we're going to try to, um, you know, do some things to, you know, get maybe a, a little bit better in, 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 into rhythm and to find ways, um, you know, to around this struggle we've been in offensively. Because in this league, you got to score 24 24 points to win. Even against Kansas City, we only scored 20, you know. So we're way subpar right now. And, um, you know, we, we know that. Um, and so uh, we know the way Jacksonville is playing and the way they beat us the last two times we weren't even competing. And, you know, they scored, a you know, combined over 60 points in those two games. You know, we, we know um, we have our hands full. And so I, I think, you know, and, and, and Matt and, and Frank and Chris Ballard and I talking this week, you know, I think, you know, you, you try to see, you know, what can what little tweaks can you make to strengthen, you know, your team the best way you can to give it the best chance to win. And, um, you know, I, I know, um, you know, Frank, namely being the head coach, is the one who really, really looks at that and has to find out, you know, um, because right now, yes, Matt has a reason he's struggling because of the pass protection and the running game. But, yes, Matt could be doing some things better, and, and, and he knows that and he's not in his normal rhythm game of accuracy and, and ball protection and things like that because he knows, you know, when he's getting sacked, you don't have it out here, you have it here, you know. But these things – you know, even the best players like Peyton and Brady, they want to be coached hard. You know, Michael Jordan, they want to be coached. Tiger Woods, coach them. They don't want someone just to tell them how great they are. Great players, veteran great players want to be coached hard, you know, because um, they know they need it and, and they know they can't be their own coach. So, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, we knew going into this that, you um, uh, you know, we feel we have the right components there. We see a lot of great things like with, you know, Jelani Woods, the tight end, and Al Pearson and and Granson from SMU, the tight end, a lot of playmakers um, that are young, that are upon us. Uh, you know, um, we've had, you know, Jonathan Taylor didn't, was hurt and didn't play this game, obviously, uh, um, and he should be better for Jacksonville, ready to go. Naheem Himes should, should hopefully pass 
you know, the concussion protocols and be ready to go, um, God willing. And so, so, you know, we, you know, we, you're always going to have some injuries here or there, but with Matt, you know, look at, um, we're concerned, you know, but we're concerned and hopeful both because, you know, we have to play better, you know, offensively, we have to find a way to run it better, to pass protect better. Um, and, and uh, you know, you, you got to get your quarterback comfortable and in a rhythm. You know, Matt's a real rhythm player like most quarterbacks are. I mean, there's some guys that just can play in helter-skelter like Mahomes or something. You know, he could just go into a you know hurricane and it's fine with him. <laughs> He'll throw it under his leg to someone's 40 yards. But, you know, most people aren't like him. You know, you, you have to have a rhythm and, and you have to – you know, quarterbacks have to trust their protection. You know, when they start, you know, get early sacks in the season, it's tough because you start seeing and hearing things that aren't there and, and all those things. So um, we're going to do everything we can, uh, you know, to give us the best chance to win. And I know in, in, in Jacksonville, uh, um, you know, here playing them in Indy Sunday, you know, we have two big division games in a row because – you know, then Tennessee in Tennessee and, you know, oh, two and one in the division, you know, even though we're knocking on first place door two, two and one, but oh, two and one in the division is a disaster, you know, as we know, you know, so um, we know how big these divisional games are. And, um, you know, we have to find a way, to, you know, to put it together and, and uh, you know, to, 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 you know, to score 24, like I said, you score 24, you're going to win 60% of the time. You know, you score 28, you're going to win 70, 75% of the time. You score 31, you're going to win, you know, 90, you know, 3, 95% of the time. You know, but 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 24 is the magic number. You know, you got to get to 24. If you can surpass 24, you're going to win a lot of games. You know, we, we just haven't done it. We haven't been there. And thankfully, the defense has kept us in it. And, uh um, you know, but, uh, you know, we know we have to play better. So, um, but Matt, you know, we couldn't be more proud of, he's such a steely eyed missile man guy, you know, he just, he's, you know, he, he doesn't flinch. He never does, you know, and that, that's what you want at that position because, you know, they have to overcome a lot of adversity and, and he doesn't shy away from that leadership role. So we're thankful to have his leadership. That's for sure. Jim, thank you so much for spending so much time with me. Uh, I'm, I really appreciate it. Well, that's great. I appreciate it, Rob. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you in New York uh, for sure. Back to the AP Pro Football Podcast. Pro Pick struggled against the number last week, but the four pack was three and one after going eight and zero the previous two weeks. So we aim to keep it rolling. Seven road favorites this week, and we'll start with the two and three Bengals minus one and a half at New Orleans. The defending AFC champions they suffered another late loss against Baltimore last week, but Joe Burrow won't let Cincinnati start two and four. The Saints should have a quarterback controversy with the way Andy Dalton has played the last two weeks filling in for Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill leads the team in rushing. He's also got five rushing touchdowns. Bengals 24-20. Looking at another road favorite in the game of the week with the 4-1 and Buffalo Bills minus 2.5 against the 4-1 and Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. The Bills are looking to avenge their heartbreaking 
overtime loss in Kansas City in the playoffs. The Chiefs are coming off a hard-fought comeback win over the division rival Raiders on Monday night. So the Bills have the emotional advantage and the physical advantage with that extra day rest. Bills 30-27. For my best bet, the Packers are touchdown favorites at home against the 3-2 and two Jets. Green Bay is coming off a loss to the Giants in London. They can't lose to New York two weeks in a row. Packers 30-17. I only like one underdog winning outright. It's a small upset special, but I'll take Washington plus one at Chicago Thursday night football. Coach Ron Rivera threw Carson Wentz under the bus this week. Wentz was the best player on the team against the Titans. And while he's been inconsistent and he threw that pick at the one-yard line, the team around him is terrible. They'll rally around their quarterback, Commanders and Carson, 23-19. For more insight and predictions on every game, check out ProPix at APNews.com. Time for some final thoughts. Devontae Adams was charged with misdemeanor assault for shoving a photographer after Monday night's game. The guy said he was injured. He's going to get paid, and Adams will likely get a fine, a slap on the wrist. Lesson here is don't hit or shove people. Just keep your hands to yourself no matter where you are, unless you're actually playing in the football game and not after the whistle. That's it for this week. Thank you to Jim Ursay, Eli Manning. Romeo Cornell and Christina Hovestat. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, check out my colleague Ralph Russo and his AP Top 25 college football podcast. Till next week, I'm Rob Motti reminding you make a difference, be a blessing. Mm-hmm.